0: We're in a series that we've been continuing forward. It's a series on marriage. We think this series is important if you're married for obvious reasons. It'll help your marriage. It'll guide your marriage if you're not married or you're planning to be married soon, like engaged. This series is important for you as well because it'll give you some, some uh, guardrails by which to lead a better uh, marriage, a more joy-filled marriage. Sometimes to suffer better. In marriage, Um, so it's an important series for all of us. Uh, The first week we gave sort of a broad scope about marriage. We talked about how God knows what it's like to have a spouse who doesn't live up to uh, their promises, and that we 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 went to the passage of Hosea, and how Hosea was just a picture. Him and his wife Gomer were a picture of God's love and uh, marriage to his people. And then in week two, Gus did an amazing job at sharing about what friendship looks like within the context of marriage. And so uh, he shared about how we were to be friends with benefits, many, many, many benefits. And then uh, last week, we spoke to the men. And we, in, in essence, we said, be a man, be a man. And men are, are providers, protectors, prayerers. I made up the word because I couldn't find another P. And then sufferers because I, I gave up on the P thing. Protectors, <laughs> providers, prayerers, and sufferers. That means that, they, that they're the ones who work very hard to make sure. Now, do wives provide, do wives occasionally provide Of course, but men are to do this predominantly. Like That should be their leaning. Now, when we talked about that, I talked last week how I didn't qualify to speak because I I am a man who has failed so many times in those things. But we did want to go to God's word. If I only came up here when I qualified um, to come up here, then I'd never come up here. I never qualify. I'm the biggest sinner in this room. Easy. And so... We look to God's word to find our instruction and our guidance, our hope and our joy. And so we talk. Now, I just want to say something really briefly. Men, before we talk to the women, my heart is that you would weep over the immense responsibility that God has given you for your wives. And that with that, you would shudder and look and depend on Jesus more than you ever have. As you hear what wives ought to respond or their roles within the context of marriage. That you would say, oh my goodness, if, my, if that's my wife's role, I've got to be a better man. If that's my wife's role, then I've got to provide for her better husbanding, better leadership, better sacrifice, better worship. But that that you would hear it with that and that you wouldn't hear with this terrible, terrible ear that says something that the culture would generate or something that oppresses your wife. If you're not married, men, I want you to listen because I'm going to tell every woman here that this is what they should be looking for. And if you don't qualify now, good news, that's why you're single. (laughs) And that's why you get the opportunity to grow within your singleness. You get the opportunity to screw up your life right now <laughs> and get better so that by the time you invite a wife and then, of course, children into that, that they would... I, I tell my son, my son is a real city slicker. He's like an like like urban boy. He, he doesn't have a license. He doesn't even have a permit, right, because he takes trains. And, you know, we're in New York, you, you take a Uber, you take a train, you take a, uh, a bus, you know, he does all that stuff. And I go, hey buddy, you should learn how to drive now. Because there's gonna be a time when you have a family and that is not when you want to learn how to drive. Because they will, they will experience negative experiences if you're learning how to drive while they're in the car. You'll traumatize them, right, make sense? Okay, husbands. Future husbands, don't try to figure out how to be a man. Don't start trying to figure out how to be a man when you get married. No. Do that now. Make the mistakes now. Get into the accidents now so that by the time you invite a wife and then uh, produce a family from that, you're able to lead well and they can benefit from all the mistakes that you made in the past as opposed to using them as the guinea pigs. So... Last thing I want to say to men before I get on the women. And women, we talk differently to women here than we do men. Men, we talk a little bit stronger because we're men. And we're I want you to be a man. I want you to be a man. Be a man. Lastly, last thing I want to say to the men, and probably is not the last thing. I'm probably going to talk to you a little bit more. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to say to the men is that every man, whenever they hear the instructions of God's word for them and the responsibilities that they have for their home, Every man wants to look for the exception. No guy came up to me this week. No guy that I even heard about came up to any of the other leaders and said, How can I now live more accordingly to God's word? What what we heard a lot about, the leadership did, was, Well, does this really apply to me? Everybody wants to be the exception to God's guidance. And I'm just telling you that it's, 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 it's the road of folly. It's the road of foolishness. It's not what I have for you. It's not what God would have for you. All right. That being said, women, we're going to talk. And again, I do not feel qualified. And let me just say this. The amount of suffering that women have had to experience from men is immense. And men, we need to take that into consideration as we hear what wives have to do. We need to lovingly lead. We need to lovingly guide. But women, because you've seen um, abuses in your past or abuses in the culture doesn't negate you from having to obey God's word. Your obedience doesn't come from somebody else's obedience. Your obedience comes from submission unto the one who made you and created you and bought you with a high price. So here's the problem. I'm a guy. If I would have had it my way, I would have had my wife up here speaking to you. But this is what we got. So I know I'm going to trip over some landmines. I know I'm going to say things that are going to be offensive. I know I'm going to say, I, it's, my, it's my desire, my strong desire not to. But I'm frail, and I'm broken, and I'm a guy. And so I don't know what you think uh, women meaning. So I'm going to speak from the text as well as I can. But I want you to follow, and I want you to be submissive to God's word. Okay. So with that, Let's read our text together. If you're new and you didn't bring your Bibles, don't worry. There's a handout within the middle of your bulletin because we think of you and we want you to feel like you can follow along and we want you to be comfortable. Those of you um, who are here and who can, we ask you to stand at the reading of God's Word. The reason that we ask you to stand is because we want to remind our bodies, oh yeah, this is God's Word and we're going to reverence Him. So let's, we're reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. If you've done any premarital counseling with me, you know, this is what I ask you to memorize. We don't charge for premarital counseling. By the way, if you're thinking of getting married, you need to go out and get some premarital counseling because you don't want to find out that the guy is a bum uh, five years into the marriage. You want to find that out five months before the wedding. Does that make sense? Right? You don't want to find out she's crazy four years into the marriage. You want to find out she's crazy four months before the wedding. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So go to premarital counseling. We have that. We always, everything we do here, we do for free. We do funerals. We do uh, premarital counseling. We do everything that we do, we do for free. Now, here's the deal. The way I ask couples to pay for their counseling is by memorizing scripture. And so what they do is they memorize, and we have couples here who have memorized, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Um, We usually go through the message in that particular instance, but today we're going to do the NIV. So I'll read it to you. Here it comes. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. All the guys say, whoa. Whoa. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must, all, must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is God's word. Have a seat. Women, did you hear all of that instruction for the men? We're skipping it all today. If you're here and you're going, why are you skipping it all? Well, because you should have came last week. We, get, we talked to the men as strongly as we could last week. And this week, we're going to talk to the women Now, while I say we're going to be skipping over that, I'm going to be making mention to some of the stuff here because it's just so vital. In fact, one day, we're going to have a series of just this um, passage. It'll be like a six- or seven-week series. This is an immense passage that we can get a lot out of and learn from. Now, before I go on, my instruction to you this week is the same as that week. If you're sitting next to your wife and you hear something that... uh, you want or your fiance or your you know boyfriend or girlfriend elbows are not allowed sudden jerks of the head not allowed a poignant mm. not allowed and any other way you can distract your wife from what the holy spirit is doing is not allowed. So wives are we okay? Women are we okay? Yeah, okay? All right. So let's get to the part that you really want to talk about. Submit. That's the first word of the thing. Submit to one another. Now, it's very important that the submission now here's a couple of things that I want to say. Firstly, just let me speak for a second to people who, go, who just heard me read this text and go, you see, this is why I can't even believe the Bible. This is, this is exactly the reason why I do. When Paul, read this, when Paul read this, when Paul wrote this, we're reading it. When Paul wrote this, this was as countercultural then as it is now. Paul was writing, and women were treated like slaves, they were property. And so when Paul writes what he writes here, everybody is offended by it. There's no way. He is elevating women. Now, women, if you think Christianity holds people down, there's a book whose name I forget, um, but they did a study about all the cultures around the world. It was interesting because I think it was from a Muslim uh, woman. Uh, And as they did this study, and I probably shouldn't say it because I can't remember her name, um, but the point was this is that they did a study in all the cultures of the world where Christianity had a foundational base. So like right now, you couldn't call us a Christian company, but Christianity has a sort of a foundational base. In Europe, you can't call it a Christian. Every place that Christianity has, has rooted itself in the culture, women have fared better. And every place where Christianity is not rooted in the culture, women have fared worse. Do your own study. Go to Turkey, see how women fare. Go to China, see how women fare. Go anywhere where Christianity did not root itself, women fare worse. So, Paul, right now, is elevating women, and in many other places in the New Testament, we see women elevated. But there's three things that I need you to know before we kind of go on. And oh, and I, I should say this we got this uh, whole series. From a guy by the name of Mark Driscoll. He wrote a book with his wife, um, uh, Grace Driscoll. Mark and Grace Driscoll. Mark and Grace Driscoll. They wrote a book called Real Marriage. I encourage you to get the book. Um, But I really got a lot of my insights here from a guy by the name of Clinton Arnold. Um, He wrote a commentary on the book of Ephesians, and his insights here were unbelievable. So, just, you know, nothing up my sleeve. I'm not inventing anything, I'm just delivering the mail. And so, The the three things that we need to see here briefly before we go on to actual what the instructions are is that this section teaches, number one, that there really are gender roles. That those things actually exist in society. And you go, ooh, especially here in New York, no way. In fact, Facebook has over 70 gender labels. And we're in New York, so of course, you know, we're down with that. And if people want to change genders, and if you're here and you're dealing with that kind of pain and stress and, and tension, I want you to know, man, we love you. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. But to be instructive, the Bible says that we, there are two genders. There are There are two genders, and that there are roles within those genders. You could disagree with that, but that would be your worldview, and I'm not going to argue your worldview. I'm just letting you know what the Bible teaches, that there are genders and that there are roles within those genders. Number one, secondly, it teaches why those roles exist. And then thirdly, it teaches uh, what those roles are. We're going to be spending our time with what the woman's role is within the context of marriage and so, with that um, said, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What's important here is that this text, verse 21, is really connected to the text that just was read before. Paul is giving instruction to the entire church. And as he's giving instruction to the entire church, he gives them this just before he gets on the specific instruction to households. He goes to the entire church and he ends with this, submit to one another. In other words, the life of the Christian should be one of deference. The life of the Christian should be one, no, 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 I want your... Benefit. I want you to be well. I want you to excel. That the life of the Christian should never be to get their own way. It should never be to win. It should never be to fame themselves. But it should rather be for the blessing and the encouragement and the edification of the rest of the body. We should be more than anybody else people who go, no, 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 really. Let's do what you say. If this church should never, ever be the kind of church that argues about carpet or paint. We should never be the kind of church that argues about silly secondary things. We are a church who is glorifying God, and as we glorify God and lift up the name of Jesus, we put each other first. No, 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 you first. And you want to hear how practical that is? That means, and, and let me talk to the men for a second. men. That means if we're uh, going to have dinner uh, or lunch in the back room, like we do every week, we celebrate with a wonderful meal. After the, so it's an opportunity to fellowship and talk about what you learned in the message, what the, what the scriptures taught you. Men, you want to go, oh, no, 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 after you, after you. Old timers, people who have been here for a while, you want to say to the newcomers, oh, after you. you who gets it? Yeah, but what if there's not enough food at the end? I don't care. Because I want, your, that's exactly why I'm saying after you. Because it's not about me, it's about me blessing you. You come first. And we should always, matter of fact, tell your neighbor, you come first. Okay, now tell the person that you just ignored that they come first too. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Watch this but that's the instruction to the entire church. This is verse 21 is connected to verse 18 and 18 talks about <clears throat> 18 talks about being filled with the spirit. Don't be drunk on wine, in other words, don't be controlled by <clears throat> don't be controlled by mood or mind altering chemicals. No, no, no. Don't be drunk on wine, rather be filled or be drunk or be controlled by the Spirit. How are you controlled by the Spirit? By submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, why do we submit? Because it's out of reverence for Christ. Now, it's like this. If you, came to my, uh, if you, came, if you were friends with me when I was a teenager <clears throat> and we were cool and we were going to do anything, go to a club, do anything, uh, get in a car, whatever, you were my boy and that was cool. Now, if you brought somebody over, and I would see a strange person there. We were about to do anything at all. I would. My first question would be, and it might be out loud, is, "Who are you?" <laughs> that is a full sentence. I, I would. I, I, in other words, they don't have any connection to me. Why should I? Why should you be? I don't know what you're about. And some of the stuff that we were about to do, quite frankly, I didn't want strangers around. And so, it was, but if my friend came over and said, "Oh no, 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 no," He's with me. He's my boy. Oh, you're Vinny's boy? Oh, you're Sergio's boy? Oh, you're Ray's boy? You're Gus's boy? Oh, oh. Then you get all sorts of affection from me. You get all sorts of trust. But it's not your trust. It's borrowed trust that came from the affection and the love that I have with my original friend. Isn't that true? Wasn't that true? Okay, watch this. That's why we submit to one another. Not because the person that we're submitting to is worthy of that submission. Not because they deserve our respect. It's out of respect for who? Christ. Christ is the foundation of why we live marriages the way we do. Christ is the foundation of why we relate to each other the way we do. Christ is the foundation. He's the one. Submit to one another. Why? Because Oh, because your husband deserves it? No, he doesn't sometimes. Good news, good news. You're both equal in that. You don't either. But I submit because Christ. Oh, out of reverence. Oh, Christ, is that your boy? Oh, Christ, is that your girl? Oh, yeah. I'm going to love. I'm going to respect. I'm going to, watch this, submit. I'm going to give deference to Everyone in the church. This is an instruction for everyone in the church. Now, it's within that spirit. Why do we then bring this up, verse 21, when we're talking about husbands and wives? Because now we're gonna go, Paul is going to talk about specifically husbands and wives, and he's going to give instruction to the wives in particular. In this message, we don't have the time to go over all what he says about the men. Interestingly enough, three-quarters of this message is for the men. Interestingly enough. Which should say something about what God wants for each one of you men, so in the spirit of mutual submission, now in a very particular way, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. I like that because wives aren 't submit to somebody else's husband <laughs> they're submit to their own husbands because that 's enough work in and of itself. Wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, so now is as we hear that sentence, is there sufficient tension in the room? Right? You're like, hey man, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to do that. So let me give you, and this again I got from um, Clinton Ardo. He goes, at the outset we can rule out, I'm just going to quote this from him. At the outset we can rule out many things that this passage does not say. What is, what is this not saying about submission? Let me read you a couple. I'll, I'll read and explain. It does not call, interestingly enough, it does not call for obedience. You go, whoa. And every guy goes, hey man, that was, <laughs> I was hoping that that wasn't... No, no, no. It calls for submission, which is different than obedience. In other words, obedience is like, <clears throat> when I was growing up, I had to obey. Anybody here grow up in a Puerto Rican household where you had to listen to your older brother? And you're older, like, I had to listen to my older brother and my older sister like they were the authority. <clears throat> and so if my sister said something, I was like, yep, I got to do it. Because then she would tell my dad and, or my mom and things wouldn't go well. So it was just an obedience. This is not what we're talking here. We're not talking about a blind obedience that just says yes and then goes along with whatever your husband says. It's not that. Let's go deeper, so... It does not make the husband the boss and the wife the servant. This doesn't mean that now he has carte blanche and can abuse the relationship. What else doesn't submit mean? It does not lead the wife's loss of herself or her identity. Fourthly, it does not mean that the wife loses her voice and decisions are made unilaterally. By the way, men, if you have a decision to make, in fact, let's just talk about this in all walks of life, whether you're a supervisor, or if you don't get the opinions, the thoughts, the ideas, the input from other people, you're not going to make good decisions. We are better together. And so whenever I make decisions here in this church, we have elders, I, I ask leaders, I ask others, people who are not in leadership whom I respect, I ask them to give me some insight. The reason I do that is because it's very, very important that when you're going to make a big decision, that you get the input of others, and wives do not lose their voice in this act of submission. It does not set up the wife for emotional, verbal, or physical abuse. It doesn't set that up. So what does it mean? When the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, what it means is this. Understand and support. Understand and support. And ladies, if you get this, you'll make a lot of your husbands cry with this action. Because if I... Do you look to cut your husband down? Are you like those silly television shows that every guy's an idiot and you got to make fun of him in every way? Every television show that I see a husband or a father, he's an idiot. Every television show that I see a husband and a father, especially something like a Nickelodeon or something like that. In fact, the parents are the dummies and the kids are the ones with all the wisdom. Wives, Is this how you are treating your husband? Do you look to understand? What does understand mean? Understand means to seek to get his perspective. I don't agree. I don't understand. I know. Work towards understanding your husband. And then supporting. That's what submission means. Understand and support. So, you guys are having a discussion, and it's a discussion about moving to, you know, New Jersey. God forbid, right? (laughs) Oh, I love our Jersey people. If you're here from Jersey, we love you. And it's a discussion. Wives, your point is not to look for that 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 you convince him to change his mind into what you believe. If you, if you go in that direction, you're going in the wrong direction, you're hurting your marriage. You're to submit. God, help me understand. Help me understand. And sometimes, you can't. You can't. I, I don't understand. This, this feels like it doesn't make any sense. The good news, by the way, is that hu- um, husbands are under authority uh, are under authority as well. They're under the authority of the church, the local body. And so, wife, if you find that your husband is acting in a way that you go, I don't understand. That I certainly can't support. I.e., maybe he's drinking too much. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just uh, uh, harsh. And you're trying to understand, and you're going, Oh man, you know, I'm trying to understand, but man, this is rough. You're making life difficult for everyone. The rule is, the the society says, is that, well, if that's the case, then you rebel. You rebel against that authority. And you let him know what's what. Okay? That's what society says. What the Bible would say is that that you appeal to a higher authority. And so, your husband is under authority. If he's a member of the... As a matter of fact, you should ask your husband. You should ask your potential husband. You should ask your boyfriend. Are you an official member of the church? And if they say yes, ask them to see the covenant that they signed. And if they are, in fact, a member of this church, then you know that they're a person under authority. And you have someone to appeal to when... Things are not going oh, in ways that are, are just flagrantly out of control. But let's get back to this understand and support because it's the definition of submission. When we talk about understand and support, would you, could you imagine, wives, what would it be like, hey, hey, let me ask you guys who've gotten a divorce if I can pry a little bit. And maybe your divorce was all his fault. Maybe it was, he was a demon and he was an, an abuser and all this. Okay. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe you just had some disagreements and it was like irreconcilable differences. Let me ask you this. What would have happened if you would have sought to understand and support him rather than to argue him under the table? What would have happened? Could life have been different? Understanding and support is the goal. Not not beating them down with good arguments. Not Not making sure that they know their place. Not making it difficult for them to lead. Understand and support. Now, men, when we use our leadership, again, I said I was going to be talking to the men sporadically. When we use our leadership, it's important that we're using our leadership to bless our families, to bless our wives, not for selfish gain. So let me give you two moments Uh, One moment, uh, well, let me give you a moment where um, this actually happened, The illustration within my own marriage um, where this submission was really beautifully laid out. So my wife and I, my wife and I, our family, we were going to go to Florida. We were going to go to Florida and, oh man, this is going to be on the internet. I keep forgetting that. Man, if your family sees this, it's not going to look well for me at least. Okay, so let's let's see how far we can go with this illustration. (coughs) Yeah, so um, we're going to Florida, and my wife says, hey, Ed, let's plan a day to be with my family. And I said, no. <laughs> this is a vacation. And it's like the first vacation, one of the first vacations that we she goes, no, but they, they haven't seen the kids. I said, no. My wife, to her credit, this is what she did, and this is what. She, she inquired, she goes, why? And I said, it's like this, your, your family drinks quite a bit. And when they drink, they can get a little crazy. And we have little children, and I, they've never seen me drink. I do not want to put them in environments where they're watching people get drunk or loaded or whatever you call it. And, and then violence breaks out, arguments break out, curses break out. You've been in those environments before, right? This is not just unique to our family, right? I said, I'm not putting the kids in that circumstance. So she goes, okay, what did she do? She moved to understand and support. Next thing she did was very, very, very powerful. She goes away, and then she comes back. She goes, just so you know, we're not going to um, my family's house. I sent them a letter that we're going to meet them at some other place and that will, you know, if they want to hang out in public in this arena, that they can do it, but we're not going to go to their house, and we're not going. I sent them an email to let them know what our plans were, and if they wanted to join us in some places, they can, and if not, they don't have to. She comes back to me. What does that do? Anybody know, women, anybody knows what that did to her man? Like put steel in my bones. Felt a deep sense of being respected by my wife. And then, understand and support. Ladies, listen. And then she goes, but can I give you some reasons why I think that this wouldn't be as bad as you think? And she goes, number one. I still, this was so powerful. This happened over a dozen years ago. I still remember her argument. She goes, goes, and it wasn't an argument like a fight. It was an argument like a perspective. She said, number one, Unlike in Brooklyn, where we're stuck at the mercy of whoever's driving us, we're going to have a rental car then. So if anybody gets out of hand, you can, you can tell us, I won't say a word. I'll gather the kids, and we'll get out of there. Number two, the, uh, my family in Florida hasn't seen uh, the babies. At that time, it was, uh, I think, Grace and Lydia. They hadn't seen the babies, and it would be a shame to fly all that way and not them, let them at least take a, get a look at them. Number three, if anything starts to pop off, I'll be the first one to say, let's go. You know what I did at that point? I led my family, and I said, let's go. Let's visit your family. Do you see the difference between that and how it could have gone? Hey, honey, guess what? We're going to Florida, and it's going to be great, and we're going to visit my family. I was like, oh, no, not no. Heck no, right? No, we're not going. Oh, yes, we are. Those are my kids. And then fighting back and forth, two weeks, cold shoulder, fight, and, and all this other stuff. And now the r- vacation is ruined. Now, if I go, I'm going against my will and I feel disrespected. Now, if I don't take it, she feels a bitterness towards me. Do you see the difference between godly marriages? And it? I'm not saying that that's the way we've always done it. I'm just saying that's a great illustration of how it once happened beautifully. Okay. Now, that's a woman's way of submitting. That is, understanding and supporting. Does this make sense? Okay. Men. Let me, let me share you, with you a leadership one. Again, I haven't always led well. In fact, I got my kids here, so they could tell you a bunch of times where I didn't lead well. My wife could do the same. But this one, when I, I think I, I led well. My wife, who loves me, and this is, again, a dozen years ago, um, she saw that I was burning out because I have a way of, you know, I have an addictive personality. And whether that's drugs or work, I just kind of give myself to it, and God is helping me with that now to give me Sabbath and rest and all that other stuff. But I'm just saying that's what I'm leaning towards. And so um, my wife goes, and she sees I'm burning out. She sees it because she's seen it before. And I'm working like 16, 18 hours a day. I'm not sleeping. I'm just go, go, going. I'm counseling from the morning to late in the evening. It's, it's, there was nobody, nobody around to help. It was just all I could do to just... We just needed to keep this thing going. And so uh, preparing for, it was just working, doing Bible study, it was, just, it was intense. So my wife could see that, and what she does is she says this. She goes, honey, um, and she's good like this. She actually called a, uh, uh, a cruise company, a Christian cruise company, and you could try this. This will never happen again. She's tried it again. It never happened again. She went and called him. She says, listen, my husband would love, if it would be possible, to just get him away, just to get him away, to get some rest. And so she goes, can you get, they come back. She goes, wait up, hold on. They hang up, uh, not they hang up, they put her on hold. They call her back and they say, we got two tickets for him. If you can make it to Florida, we'll give you guys this cruise for free. It was a shout out to Charles Stanley. It was a Charles Stanley cruise. Charles Stanley was there. I got to shake hands with him. It was pretty cool. Andy Stanley was there. It was a really neat deal. My wife goes up to me, and she goes, baby, you won't believe this. And she said, she goes, I got us a cruise. Not a I, I got you a cruise so that you can vacation. It's happening four months from now. This is going to be amazing. You should go with Edwin, my son, Edwin, little guy. And here's where leadership comes in. I, I said, that's wonderful. I'm not going, though, if you don't go. And she goes, no, 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 but we have the little kids. I go, no, 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 leave that burden upon me. I'll find people to take care of the kids for this amount of days. You know, a lot of people like me and, quite frankly, owe me a lot of favors. So, you know, I'm going to cash some chips in and we'll we'll get them to stay with the kids for a long time. You know, for the week, uh, we got like three or four people um, to stay with the kids for five days. It was awesome. They watched after this. She goes, no, 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 no. I said, listen to me. Submit. Submit to your husband. I'm telling you, if you want me to go, you're going to have to go too. She was like, oh, this is tough. She finally submitted. We went. It was an incredible time. Amen. Do you see how there's a picture of leadership there that says, no, 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 it's for your blessing. It's for your blessing. So men, we have to lead in a way that's for her blessing, for her blessing. Make it, let's make it easy on our women. Let's make it easy on our women to understand and support us. Does that make sense? So, ladies, what does submit mean? Okay, yeah. Listen, let's try this again. I only talked about it for 20 minutes. It means understand and support. Ladies, what does submission mean? All right. (sighs) Terrible. Okay, here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the church. Some um, theologians say that the, uh, the husband being the head of the wife is referring back to Adam and Eve and how the woman came from the man. In other words, the husband is the source of the wife. This is not what he means. What he means, because it's just like Christ is the head of the church. In other words, the husband leads his wife, has Authority with his wife in the same way that Christ has authority in the church. Yes. And so, if a husband is leading, you're making it easier on your wife. If a wife is understanding and supporting, she's making it easier on her husband. Do you see how this grows? Do you see how this grows? Okay, so, we gotta go because it's, it's oh yeah, we're done. Um, okay. <laughs> However, each one of you must also, I'm jumping down all the way to verse 33, I'm sorry. Uh, However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. Pause. Even at the end of this, he sums up men. Come on, man. Don't make this tough on your wives. Make it a joy for her. Love your wife like you love yourself. And if you're not sure how you love yourself, ask anybody who's around you. You love yourself well. Love your wife like that. Put her First, give her, and then can I just pause here for a second before I give the last instruction? Women, do you know how much influence that you have? Do you know how much influence you have in a relationship? It's unbelievable. So here's the deal. Can I just say this to you? Because I've seen it so much that it's honestly, it makes me sometimes physically ill. Some of your pickers are broken. Like you pick fools. And then you get angry at God because the fool is acting exactly what he is. <laughs> literally. I literally. And no you know, no disparagement on the men's home. But we have a men's home. This was about 10 years ago. And a woman literally. I I I was I, I remember telling her, do you know that he's led himself so bad? that if it wasn't for the benevolence of this church, he'd be out on the street. Let me ask you something. Where do you think that leads you? It was insane to me. But no, he was super cute. He was hella cute. He was like, oh my goodness, little Rico Suave. Little Rico Suave with the clothes and the shoes and the socks and the underwear that we gave him so that he could be clothed. And I just go, I just go, I, I can't help you. I can't help you. If that's your intention, I can't help you. Women, ayatu. Do the best you can. If you're going to pick a fool, if you're going to pick an immature boy, if you're going to pick a, if you're going oh, but you don't know. The, you know, the sex is good, the love is good, he talks to me not, All the reasons that you give. Listen to me. There is nothing. You want to invite a little bit of hell on earth. And then marry a fool. Now, let's get back to the wives. And the wife must respect her husband. Listen to me, women. Men, if you were going to give a number one gift to your wife, according to the scripture, it's this thing called love. Women, if you were going to give a number one gift, to your husband is this thing called respect. I'm telling you, for me, give me respect over love. You know what? Give me respect over love any day. Like if my wife doesn't love me but she respects me, I feel like I got a good woman. If she doesn't love me but she respects me, I got a good woman. If my wife loves me but doesn't respect me, tough go. Tough go. So, The men need, your men, your husbands, your potential husbands, they need this thing called respect. You respect them with your words. You respect them with your attitudes. Let me just quickly go through this because we have to go. there are numerous ways, I'm, I'm getting this is another quote from Clinton Arnold. There are numerous ways to describe what this might look like in application to a Christian marriage. But here are a few ideas. This is from Clinton Arnold. Number one, wives, what we're talking We're we're talking about submitting respectfully. Submitting, what does submit mean? Anybody know what submit means? Understand, Understand and support. Res, and we're submitting respectfully. Here's Where we are. Number one, to receive her husband's love, care, and provision in a humble and submissive way. Now, this is big. The care that your husband, I'll give you an example. There was this one woman who I I remember again a bunch of years ago, nobody in this room, but I'm just saying this woman was a terror to her husband. She was a terror. She was. I would even go so far as to say she was, she, and, and I'm not saying he was any better, but she was a terror to him. The guy had a hernia, like a bump protruding out of his stomach. Could, and and he, had, he had a physically demanding job. She goes, if you don't go out and work and make the money, then don't come back. He would have to go to work with this physically demanding job with a hernia. She just didn't have submissive respect in a way to receive the provision that he could provide at that moment. And at that moment, he needed to take workman's comp. She wasn't having it. it. It nearly crushed him. I'm sure it did. Secondly, to provide encouragement, support, and input to her husband's initiatives to give vision and direction to the family. So the husband, husband gives A vision and initiative to the family. So husbands, let me give you a few things that you could give um, vision to. You can give financial vision. Hey, do we we want our kids to have to take care of us? Or do we want to plan for the future? Financial vision. Do we want our kids to love Jesus? Then men, are you leading the families in worship and prayer and reading the scriptures? Okay, that's a vision. Now, wives, when your husband does that, and he's reading the Bible, you don't walk alongside of him. And he's reading the Bible, and he goes, and he's excited about it, and he wants to share it with the family. You go, Psh! you going to share that after how you acted two days ago? Oh, God. Again, th- that kind of foolish woman, I can't help. Nobody can help you. You're a fool. You're a fool and you're crushing your husband. You think it's cool, you think it's cute, you think you're getting your point across, you think you can't be heard unless you act like that. And what you don't know is you're digging your own, your own suffering. You're digging the pit to your own suffering. To provide encouragement, support, and input to her husband. So if a husband says that, then wives, here's, how, here's what you do. You come around, you go, that's a great idea. How can I help? That sounds wonderful. I would love for you to lead us in worship and Bible studies. How can I help? Oh, man, I don't know if I have enough um, material. You know, I'm just getting new at this learning. Could you um, suggest some books that we could do together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this great thing. Look it up. Help them. Thirdly, wives, you can resist the temptation to take control. You can resist temptation. And by the way, this is tough. Wives, if you've been the boss of the house, and you've been remember the illustration I gave you last week about the wives in the Formula One car, and then she's like driving in the the Indy 500 or something like that, and then she's she's been driving, in the, and then she goes into the pit, you know, the, the the cockpit where they change the tires. She's like, I'm exhausted, I can't drive this thing anymore. You drive, come on, you're the husband. The Bible says, and that's. And what happens? You both get out of the car. He goes into the driver's seat and starts to drive. But cars are whizzing by at like 400, 400, 200 miles an hour. They're whizzing by and his, like the clutch, it's like going back and forth. Why? Because, he. and what what does that mean? Like the clutch going back and forth, making wrong decisions, cars whizzing by. Those are the decisions that he makes. And the decisions that he makes aren't very good. You know why? Because you've prevented him from making decisions all these years. So he doesn't have the experience. Now, he has to gain that experience with you. And you go, and then if you're a foolish wife, you go, aha, this is too much. The kids are going to die. You're going to sink this whole family. And then you get back into the driver's seat until you drive the, the wheels of that car into the ground, which is to say the marriage collapses. Or, you can go, husband. I am not going to take control of this situation. I'm not going to take over. But here's what I think about this. And I think if you, you would make a good decision if you went this way. We're all going to be blessed if you make this decision. We're all going to suffer if you don't. So make the best decision. Get on your knees, husband. Get on your knees. Follow Jesus. Ask your elders. Ask your pastors, husband. Don't make this decision on your own. Brother, just be the man. And get with other men. And make the best decision you can. Wives, what else can you do? You can resist the impulse to undermine or complain about the leadership your husband provides. I can't tell you. Wives, there's more than one way to rebel. Could you? What happens, right? Have you ever seen this? this? This has never happened to you, I'm sure. What happens? Husband is going, and in, in, in dad is going in the, uh, in the family, going, hey, guys! Um... We're going this thing. Or, worse off, daughter comes over and says, Pa, can I go to um, the dance, the school dance? And the wife is behind him and he's going, No, honey, I don't want you to go to the school dance. There's some people in a safe neighborhood and it's kind of late and I'm going to be working real late so I won't be able to pick you up and we don't have the money for the Uber so I don't want you to go. And the wife is behind him going... oh look he's got a fool for a wife wonderful and then when the kid rebels against you you go why are they rebelling against me because you made it you made it culturally acceptable you made it culturally acceptable to rebel against authority and now you're surprised that they're rebelling against your authority oh my gosh husband goes hey honey here's you know I, I don't want you to play with that. I don't want you to play the No TV until you finish your homework. And then the wife comes over, turns on the TV, as if he, she didn't hear what he said. Oh. Wives, you hurt yourselves when you do this. You hurt yourself. You're being a fool. Satan is your master at that point. Lastly, to align her spending habits with the priorities she'd agreed upon with her husband for the vision and direction of the household. (laughs) I'll tell you one time, this is also years ago. Um, I remember calling my wife because she didn't get that lesson. And she was just spending money that I didn't have, like literally spending money. And I was like, I don't know. She spent like $400 in a month on a credit card. And that was like $4 million to me at the time because we had no money. We were homeless. We were trying... And I, I remember literally calling her, I'm going, and I remember saying to her, I'm going to go to jail because of you. <laughs> like the stress that I was under in that moment, trying to, and, and what, what's so beautiful is that now my wife handles all the books in the house. She pays the bills. She's good at it. She's better at it than I am. We agree, she sends me, my wife does the budget, she sends it to me, and she'll always go, hey, we need $600 for food for the month, right? I got a family of seven, they don't, you know, none of us are small, so um, they're, they're eating big and all that stuff, and it's wonderful, it's wonderful. It's like, hey, we got $500, $600 for the month. I go, ah, that's not enough. We need, I think we need $700, don't worry. I'm gonna try to make myself available to some other areas so that I can make a little bit more money so we can make that happen. You see, I love my wife doing that now. But if, women, if, if you're doing that financially, you're hurting your husbands. So we said a lot. Wives, submit respectfully to your husbands. Now, last thing I want to say is this. You will never... You will never, your husband, if the only way, well, I'll submit to my husband when he finally gets it together. You will never submit to your husband. Well, I'll love my wife. I'll lovingly lead my wife. When she starts submitting, you'll never lovingly lead your wife. This is not conditional. In fact, if I could make a good argument that uh, Paul was speaking not only to women in the church, but she was, he was also speaking to women um, who had non-Christian husbands. So even in those, now, there's one exception, and I just want to get this out before we go. The one exception, and this, we see precedence uh, in civil disorder in the book of Acts, I think it's in chapter five, where <clears throat> Peter goes, do you remember this? <clears throat> Peter gets arrested. Peter and a couple of guys get arrested and, for preaching the gospel, and the authorities that Peter is supposed to be under come up to Peter and say, Peter, stop preaching this Jesus. And Peter goes like this. He goes like this. Who should who should we obey? Should we obey you or God? He goes. We're going to obey God. Women, if your husband is leading you to do something immoral or illegal, if he's abusing you, think, who should we obey? We got to obey God. And good news: if he's a part of this church, you can then come to the authority, and we can deal with them, and we can deal with them a, in a rougher, more manly way than maybe what you can in the home. You have an advocate in the leadership here. Okay? But not because, oh, you know, you don't rebel because he wants to go on one vacation and you want to go to another, or, you know, it's, if there's sin involved. Abuse.